0: Shortly, Sarah is going to come and uh, bring us um, God's word. But I'm just going to read Psalm 24 for you. We heard some of these verses before. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Amen. Let's just pray for Sarah. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for Sarah and I just pray that you would anoint her now as she comes to uh, bring us your word. Lord, give her the words to speak and Lord, would we uh, be open to listen to them. Holy Spirit, would you interpret the words uh, for each of our own personal circumstances. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thank you very much, John. And thank you, Nick, as well. That was... um really moving interview and um, definitely like what what a lot of food for thought for us to know that these two days have collided today, thinking about our worlds and thinking about the people in it and thinking about the persecuted church as well. Um, this amazing little illustration here is from the Eden Project website and um, I just think it's fantastic. It shows so much of what we are thinking and talking about today and for Christians as well you look at that picture and you look at that dark side of the earth and you think that that is a far cry from the Eden that we read about in Genesis Um, that is not what God created at all is it that is the impact that man has had on the earth but actually if we look at the other side we can see humankind living in harmony with all that God created, and that showcases the best of humanity right there. So, this morning, we are thinking about climate change. Oh, I don't think this is working, so if you can just flick through the slides. Um, probably not, but I'm renowned for not knowing how to. Oh, there's an on switch. Always good to look for the on switch. Okay, so climate change, why should it bother the church? I don't know if any of you saw this in the news. I didn't know about it until Jonathan mentioned it at the leadership meeting. But up in Scotland, a church displayed this sign outside their church whilst COP26 was going on. For those that can't read it, it says, the world's most urgent need is churches preaching Christ crucified, not climate change. Now, I don't know what you think of that sign. In many respects, there is a lot of truth in that banner they put outside. However, I think it is deeply, deeply insensitive. It was not the time or place to display a banner when you have got the world's leaders meeting together to talk about climate change, to talk about how nations can be changing the way they are doing things in order to benefit the whole earth. I also think that as a Christian, you cannot separate climate change and global warming away from the calling that God has given us as his followers. And we're going to explore that a little bit across the next few minutes. This sign ended up being torn down. And if I'm honest, I completely understand why. I don't think it was the right thing to put up at all um, outside this church. You may think differently, um, but that would be my personal opinion. To start us off, the reason why I think we need to be bothered about climate change is because God created this earth. He created everything on this earth, and he did not create it to be destroyed, to be destroyed. completely used up to become extinct. Psalm 24 verse 1, we've looked at this psalm this morning and the first verse says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. Genesis 1 as well, we look at the creation story and it's very, very clear where our part comes into play. It says, so God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. What it's talking about here is stewardship. And you have a choice when you are asked to steward something. You have a choice whether you want to do it well or whether you don't want to do it well. Whether you want to use up all the resources or whether you want to be fruitful. Fruit, creating fruit, creating stuff that benefits other people. And I think that humans have done some amazing things on this planet. There are incredible things that we have done to steward what God has given us, but there are also things that each one of us have done where we have forgotten that command that God gave us. We have forgotten that all of this outside, it isn't ours. God didn't give it to us and then release his hands off it. The earth is the Lord's, is still the Lord's. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't just walk off and leave it. Actually, he's still present in the world today, and we should be wanting to look after his planet and all that are in it because it is still his. Now, I know that Rob Bell is a little bit of a controversial character these days, theologically, but he wrote a book many years ago, and there is one chapter that has stuck with me forever and ever and ever. And in it, he talks about how you treat the creation reflects how you feel about the creator. And he talks about going into his father's office um, when he was an adult, his work office. And he sees on the wall of his father's office, he sees a bit of drain pipe with three stones glued on it and a bit of scribble on it. And he says to, it's a very corporate office, very smart, all kind of chrome and glass. And he says to his dad, what on earth is that? Why have you got it? And his dad says, you made me that. You made me that when you were a little boy and I've kept it ever since because you gave it to me for my office. And then he goes on to talk about how actually his father had kept that thing that was made for him, not necessarily because it was the best piece of art the world has ever seen. He kept it because the creator of it was special and important to him. And I've brought this morning this here. I don't know if you can see it. It is quite small. I think if someone else saw it on the path outside, they would either think that possibly it's been put there by a dog... Or that it needs to go in the bin. It's a little bit tatty, but this is something that my eldest daughter Ivy made me last year. It is, of course, a jewellery box. Now I think in Ivy's head she wishes she'd been blessed with a very glamorous mother who has lots of jewellery to keep in her jewellery box Um, but I can just about scrape together a couple of earrings to drop in it and I have it on my unit at home in my bedroom and it is very, very precious to me. It is far more precious than a lot of other things in my house that are worth a lot more money. I value it because I value the person who created it. And that is the first important reason about why climate change should bother us. Because actually, the way we treat God's creation reflects how we feel about the creator. The way we treat this earth reflects the way that we think about God. Another reason. Who is my neighbor? I'm sure you are all very familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan very familiar with the question that is put forward to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And when I try and explain this to the kids, we did this upstairs in kids' church a couple of weeks ago, who is my neighbor? For children, quite often, they are immediately very, very literal. Oh, well, actually, Mrs. Brown lives next door to me, and she's got three cats and a frog in her pond, and next door to me is the Rothschild family. They're really loud and have millions of kids and have shoes everywhere. That, that is who they think are their neighbor. But Jesus explains that your neighbor can be anyone. Your neighbor doesn't have to be just the person you live next door. It doesn't just have to be people who you like or admire or find it easy to get on with. Your neighbor is anybody And Jesus is very clear that you treat your neighbours the way that you would like to be treated, the way you would like God to treat you as well. And when we think about that, we think about this quote here, which is from the European Parliament study on climate change and developing countries. And it says this, Climate change aggravates the effects of population growth, poverty and rapid urbanisation. Without serious adaptation, climate change is likely to push millions further into poverty and limit the opportunities for sustainable development and for people to escape from poverty. So what's it saying? It's saying basically that the poorest in our world, the least advantaged in our world, are already suffering the effects of the actions that we make over here in the West – They're already suffering from the effects of climate change and it is only going to get worse. The Bible is very, very clear about how we are to treat our neighbour and it's even more clear about how we are to treat the poor and look after the poor. Now I think... Um, Years ago, I would have probably completely understood that maybe the poor on, you know, little remote islands in the middle of the Indian Ocean, they would absolutely be affected by climate change, rising sea levels, um, storms, all of that. But actually, it talks about urbanisation as well. And we're going to watch a BBC report in a second, which just goes to show you the breadth of how climate change affects um, the poor across a variety of different countries and the different places to live. So I think if we just watch that now.
2: Climate change is already making poverty
1: worse. <laughs>
2: The World Bank says it could push 130 million people into poverty in the next 10 years. The richest half of the world are responsible for 86% of greenhouse gas emissions, and the poorest half for just 14%. But poorer communities are already worse affected by the climate change caused by those emissions, in many ways that aren't that obvious. Like extreme heat.
1: Everything is exposed. The sun is beating down directly on
2: you and it's just unbearable. During the June heat wave in the United States, scientists found that streets in poor areas We're up to three to 10 degrees Celsius hotter.
1: And many people take medication here and they can't
2: sustain themselves outside for any length of time. And that's because of too much asphalt, concrete, and the lack of
1: trees. Trees are life. The, the, The
0: role they play in this, in our ecosystem can't be overstated.
2: Yvonne Aki Sawyer is the mayor of Freetown in Sierra Leone and has plans to plant a million trees in the city. Trees create shade and plants pull moisture up from the ground, which has a cooling effect. Research suggests that people in areas with less vegetation have a 5% higher chance of dying of heat-related causes. It's holding whole countries back. Scientists at Stanford University estimated that Nigeria's economy is 29% smaller than it would be without climate change. Brazil's is 25% and India's 31%. Extreme heat, weather and fires mean people are already on the move.
1: Having a safe place to sleep at night is,
0: right now, is like a godsend.
2: After the campfire in Paradise, California, people moved to the city of Chico. Rents surged, pushing poorer people out. And in places like Sierra Leone, it's destroying livelihoods.
1: Over 6% of our national population are farmers, subsistence farmers. With the effects of climate change, means it rains when it shouldn't, and it doesn't rain when it should. And people's crops fail. And because their livelihoods disappear, they flock to the city looking for a better life. We don't have the infrastructure to absorb those people. So what you see
0: happening is massive deforestation of our hillsides.
2: Mayor Yvonne has planted 250,000 trees so far. And it's not just extreme heat that they manage. They can also prevent flooding. Yolanda's community was also hit recently by floods in New York.
1: After the rain or any time we have any kind of storm, the, the backyard completely floods.
2: Nearby, in Queens, they killed a young family from Nepal who were living in a basement.
1: The poor are definitely disproportionately impacted.
2: Researchers at the University of Brussels have found that children born in high-income countries will see twice as many extreme weather events as their grandparents did. But for children in low-income countries, it'll be worse. They'll see three times as many. Today, you have a much
0: higher chance of being born in a low-income country or a low-middle-income country. About two-thirds of all children born today are born in low and low and lower-middle-income countries. And these are exactly those regions which are hardest hit by climate change. And they play the least role in many ways um, in contributing to this
1: crisis. I think that's a really interesting video um, and really highlights to us that actually we can't ignore um, the problem, we can't ignore the responsibility of our own actions. And actually, um, we need to use our privilege, we need to use our freedom. The Bible is really, really clear. These are just a few of the verses in the Bible talking about the poor. Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Isaiah 10, verses 1 to 3 says, Woe to those who make unjust laws to those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. What will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar? To whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches? 1 John 3 verse 17 says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And we can, of course, there are so many ways that we can be giving to rebuild houses. And we should do. We should be giving to feed those who are hungry. We should be giving to provide um, refuge places for those who have had to flee from natural disasters. However, all of that is just like sticking a plaster on the wound. What we also need to be doing is tackling the root of the problem, tackling the cause of it. And so that is where, just like that step ladder I showed before, actually, little by little, if we can all do something, then we are fulfilling the commands that we have been given in God's word there is always hope. I just want to finish with this and just a reminder that at the center of creation is the creator. I think sometimes we can um, change the whole narrative and put ourselves as the main characters in the whole of climate change, that we are the ones who have broken it and we are the ones who have to fix it and absolutely we need to take action. But at the same time, that psalm we have been reading over and over again this morning says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it He is not stepping backwards. He is not going to leave us. It is still his earth. And he still has a part to play in this. I believe that God is a God of redemption. God is a God of grace. He always leaves room to make things new again. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we feel like this is hopeless, we needn't feel like that. Because God is God. God is God at the center of creation, is the creator. And he will be there to help us. We can pray, just as Nick said this morning, just as the same for the persecuted church. Actually, when we think about the poor across the world who are being disproportionately affected by climate change... We don't need to wait until we have done a fundraising event to be able to raise enough money to send it off to a charity. It's great if you can do that, but what you can do right here, right now, is pray for those people. If we just look again at those words, the earth is the Lord and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Why should we be bothered about climate change? We should be bothered because God has given us his amazing creation to look after and to live in. Why should we be bothered? Because climate change disproportionately affects the poor and the most, the least advantaged in our world. And God is very clear about how we should treat the poor. Why should we be bothered about climate change? Because how we treat the creation reflects how we feel about the creator. And I do feel that there is a lot of hope. Actually, you think about everything, all the talks that are being held this week up in Glasgow. The world is making good choices, but it relies on every single one of us to play our part as well. We cannot say that it's someone else's problem. And perhaps you're here this morning and internally you're rolling your eyes and you're thinking, oh, yeah, I've heard this time and time again, but you know, what can I do? And it's more important to do this, it's more important to do that. I'm not saying that you should put everything else in your life on hold. What I am saying is that the the time has come for each of us to understand that there is a Christian responsibility to act. And there are things that we can do. There are tons of amazing books that you can read by Christians who have written about this subject. If you want to know about any of them, then just come and see me. I'll email you those titles. There are loads of Christian conservation charities who are doing amazing work to actually help the poor in our world through defeating climate change. There are people in this church who are fighting tirelessly to educate themselves and their children and the people around them. We can learn so much from one another. So we're going to pray in a minute. But also I really urge you to go away into your small groups, into your families, with your friends in this church and talk about what steps can you make in your personal life but also what things can you come to the leadership of the church and say, I've seen this that we could change in the church and I want to run with that idea. If you have an idea, then come and tell us how you can combat that so that we can change things in our church as well. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for this beautiful earth that you have given us. We thank you that every single day, each one of us benefit from the riches that you have poured out in the food that you've given us, in plants, the animals, the beauty of the surroundings, the weather, all of those things. And Father, we are sorry for the ways that we have not been good stewards. We're sorry for the ways that we have not followed your commands to look after your creation. And Father, we're sorry that the consequences of our actions have disproportionately hurt those who are less well-off than us. We pray, Father God, that you would ignite in us a passion to make things right again. That we wouldn't think that we are not the right age, that we would not think that we don't have the right skills We wouldn't think that we don't have a part to play in this, but actually we would all just think about that stepladder and think about those small steps that we can take to help us to combat this problem and leave this world a better place for generations to come. God, we need your help on this. We need your courage. We need your wisdom. I thank you, God, that you are at the center of creation. I thank you that the earth is yours and everything in it. And I thank you that you will not abandon us. Father God, we just give ourselves to you this morning. And we pray that you would help us
0: to redeem all of creation for you. Amen.